Okay. I don't think that uh, we informed everyone or that I was that informed that today was the disappearance of Shilabhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur. And so some have probably come on the call with questions and so forth, but um, we may have to wait to answer them until next week. Um, I'll see. Um, and then I want to speak a little bit about Pakistan. So to talk, or maybe there'll be time left over for some questions as well. But <clears throat> we uh, are grateful for the opportunity to say something um, in honor of the great Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur on this auspicious day of his disappearance, um, which occurred, I believe, in 1936. And that would have been probably in January as the moon, uh, calculated by the moon. Um, but um, I'll begin with um, a little bit about his, um, recalling a little bit about his life and um, and his uh, devotional uh, absorption, commitment, if you will, out of which arose his um, innovations that we are all uh, have benefited from and are here today as a result of work. I should say that in the words of Bhakti Rakshakshita Dev Goswami Maharaj, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, appeared uh, in the mind of Bhakti Vinodhaka, which is his conception of worldwide Gaudi Vaishnavism, Gaudi Vaishnavism on the stage with other world religions and even eclipsing them by its charm, if you will. Um, and um, that conception um, of Bhaktivinotaku took shape in the form of the service of Bhaktivinanta Saraswati Thakur. And then he said, Pujapachira Marsh, and that Bhaktivinanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world. <clears throat> so, Sarsati Thakur was born in, uh, I believe, 1874. And um, so in the last part of the 19th, last quarter of the 19th century. And of course, India was still occupied by, by Britain, uh, Great Britain at the time. And um, his birth itself is uh, extraordinary. Uh, his parentage, of course, is he's the son, seventh son of, I think, 13 children, seventh of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Bhagavati Devi. And um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, of course, is a very significant figure. Uh, I believe it's fair to say that there are two periods in Bengal history and that is pre-Chaitanya and post-Chaitanya. That's how significant Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is in in, uh, in Bengal history. Uh, but regarding the post-Chaitanya era, which we're still in today, of course, there is uh, no one who is more uh, significant 
in terms of the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and preserving, reviving, distributing them, then Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Thakur Bhaktivinoda Kijai. And that is just factual, not any kind of uh, exaggeration or sectarian perspective. His work is extraordinary. Uh, he wrote over 100 books. Um, and he wrote in Sanskrit and Bengali and in English. He revived uh, or revealed in many respects uh, the Holy Dham of Vrindavan and the way the Goswamis did um, uh, in relation to Vrindavan. Did I say Vrindavan? Navadweep. He, he excavated, if you will, the places of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, his great book, Navadvitam Mahatmya, um, brings that out. It's a, it's a road map, if you will, for Parikram, uh, throughout the uh, nine islands of, of Navadvip. <clears throat> and, uh, he also did, uh, a very substantial seva to Vrindavan by, uh, way of, um, removing through legal efforts the um, the influence of dacoits and robbers who were preying consistently on pilgrims um, on their way to uh, Vrindavan. It was a great uh, problem for pilgrims. You have to understand, of course, that pilgrims going to Vrindavan in India in those times, largely on foot, may have been walking for days and even months to come from the south or um, the west or the north to come for a once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to to Vrindavan. This is uh, such efforts that is part of the Bhakti Anga Padasevanam. And just imagine, you know, after all that effort, and they robbed. And even uh, uh, some of them murdered by by Dacoid. So he, uh, through his uh, influence as a magistrate, he got involved there and removed that uh, influence and protected, paved the way, if you will, to Vrindavan, as he did to Navadvip. And of course, um, with regard to Vrindavan, that disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, who took the ideas of Bhakti Thakur, as I said, all around the world. Om Bhaktivedanta Swami my Guru Maharaj, that road to Vrindavan is now, since 1975, since the opening of the Krishna Balaram Temple, named, inappropriately so, Bhaktivedanta Marg. And in Vrindavan, he who gave shape to the ideas, as I mentioned in Bhakti Vinotaku, the great Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, Prabhupada, parents they were, disappearance they were honored today. The uh, road to Navadvipa, there's only one <clears throat> along the bank of the Ganga, has been named after him and appropriately so, Bhakti Vedanta Marg. So, Bhakti Vedanta Marg, excuse me, Bhakti Siddhanta Marg and Bhakti Vedanta Marg. These are the ways, if you will, um, to Navadvipa and uh, to Vrindavan, and they were created, if you will, or paved um, 
in the spirit of service to the great Bhakti Bhattakura. <clears throat> So um, the Thakur, uh, Bhakti Vinod, as I say, uh, this isn't his day, if you will, but much could be said about him, much has. Many now, or at least half a dozen, if not more, PhD studies on Bhakti Vinod Thakur. So in in academia, he has his influence. And the whole worldwide mission of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, these two, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, and I see Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada um, thought of themselves, as did all the followers of Bhakti Siddhanta, as, as members of the Bhakti Paribar, following the lead of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati who told them to think of their lineage as such. The great Bhakti Vedanta Thakur, as great as he is and as important as he is, significant as he is in the post Chaitanya era. Um, he considered himself to be a sweeper in the street, or the Sankirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Nabadweep, which he was blessed to have the vision of, right? And hearing that from him, how he humbly thought of himself, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthitaku considered himself to be one straw in the broom of Bhakti Vinod. So this um, parentage of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur is extraordinary. As I say, he was the seventh child of 13 of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, who great as he was in spiritual uh, estimation or consideration, as I've been explaining. So he was also a very adept and held a very responsible position in the British government. And he leveraged that position at times, as I mentioned with regard to Vrindavan, uh, and uh, paving the way there for pilgrimage to, to travel safely, he leveraged that position uh, as, as much as he could, or every opportunity that presented itself to um, further serve the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. However, despite his uh, own power, Shakti, Gaur Shakti Surupaya, Bhakti Thakur. Um, he nonetheless um, felt himself um, 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 not sufficiently pa- spiritually powerful to do the kind of work that he saw, felt was needed um, to to take Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's illustrious uh, teachings and give them the dignity that they deserved that was lacking even in the pious intellectual um, members of the Hindu community, what to speak of the British and beyond uh, the borders of the British Empire. That's a big task. And we think that he was more than fit for that, but he thought himself not fit for that, which is part of, of course, his actual qualification to see himself, as I said, as a broom on the, just a sweeper in the street, the Sankirtan party, Chaitanya Mahabhu, the humility of Bhakti Vinod, the way in which he, um, he had no sense of grandiosity 
I'm empowered. And here I am about to, to, to change the world and, and excavate the, the, the uh, or, or bring uh, the dignity that deserves the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. He, he, he made a humble effort in his part. Um, so this is his inner thinking. It's important to underscore that. And in that regard, he, upon being stationed in Jagannath Puri, after some time by the British government for his, his secular work, um, he made a prayer to Jagannath Swami. And in his prayer, he asked, he, he, well, actually, what, uh, if I recall correctly, Jagannath Thakur, uh, appeared in the dream of Bhakti Vinodakar and told him, I have brought you to Jagannath Puri not just to do the government's work, but to do the work of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Bhakti Vinodakar spoke back to him in the dream, telling him, Jagannath Swami that I don't think I have the power, you know, to do that. So if you if that's what you want of me, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to send me some help, a recruit. Uh, this is my appeal to you, hmm? fervent appeal. And Jagannath Swami replied back that make a prayer to and worship uh, um, Bimala uh, Devi, uh, who is uh, the tantric uh, consort of Jagannath Swami, who has her own temple within the Jagannath complex, and and all of whose uh, and 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 to whom all of the prashad of Jagannath is given to and offered to before it's distributed to anyone else. Hmm? Important figure in within the temple uh, complex, um, goddess of of Jagannath Swami. He, the Swami Jagannath, Lord Jagannath, replied to Bhaktivinotaku, make an appeal to Bhimala Devi. Hmm? Shakti. And of course he did made that prayer and the re- reciprocation on the part of Bhimal Devi was uh, this seventh uh, child of Bhaktivinod Thakur, Kedarnath Bhaktivinod and Bhagavati who Bhaktivinod Thakur appropriately named Bhimal Prashad. Bhimal Prashad, the mercy of Bimal Devi coming at the um, by the uh, with the with the blessing of Jagannath Swami uh, to the world, and of course uh, he there were some uh, there's a couple of very uh, inspiring anecdotes about his appearance in early early infancy with regard to further blessings of Jagannath Swami. One of the one of the uh, anecdotes is that his umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck like a a, a Brahmin's thread, and it said that it left some impression that that stayed there for his whole life. And this is very very interesting, given the later day uh, struggle. That Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur took up at the behest of Bhakti Vinod Thakur to establish the appropriate uh, 
the, the, the proper Siddhanta regarding uh, Varn Ashram and um, the fact, and particularly the, the, about it, the fact that um, the, the determination of one's caste, if you will, um, is, is to be calculated by one's character and deeds and actions rather than by birth. And, and indeed, the, it is stated in the scriptures that the seminal or hereditary Brahmanhood is, 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 um, um, doesn't hold up in Kali Yuga in particular. Um, so he struggled with this, um, with the, the, the Brahmin community and, uh, and some of the Vaishnav uh, Goswami families, if you will, the Jati Goswamis who were also Brahmins, not all of them, some of them supported him. In the Radharaman temple he was supported, but in Bengal, um, he, he largely was not supported. And he was, of course, this is later on in his mission, giving uh, Brahmin threads to non-Brahmin birth people and um, and uh, this was a huge, huge, huge controversy. Um, huge struggle he underwent. So it's interesting. I'll, maybe we'll get into that a little further as we progress with the, with the discussion um, and the timeline of his, his life. We're, we're now just dealing with his, his birth. But it's very interesting to, to note that he had this brahminical He's coming from a Kayasta family. The Kayastas are a type of Sudras, actually. Ramananda Roy was a Kayasta. But um, over time, they were elevated uh, to be able to perform um, clerical uh, duties, uh, administrative duties, um, and so forth. So um, he was from, as Bhakti Muntaku was as well, from the Kayasta community, as Prabhupada was. Uh, my Guru Maharaj, Kayasta family, and, uh, and so he, he, he would speak of acting like a Brahmin and uh, and performing the duties of a Brahmin. It's one thing to have the qualities of a Brahmin, some think, but that doesn't mean you can perform the duties of the Brahmin until the next life when you take birth in the Brahmin family. Well, he, um, um, in his struggle with this, of course, there, there, there was a great debate um, and he provided considerable evidence from scripture to the contrary to support his point. But, um, not only did he act like a Brahmin, perform the duties of a Brahmin, but he, he anointed others as, as Brahmin Vaishnavas who weren't from Brahmin families. And this was a huge uh, issue. I'll, I'll, I hope we'll get back to that. But, um, it's very interesting that, that he was, uh, born with, with, with really, you know, with all, for all intents and purposes, with the Brahminical uh, thread, and of course, in his youth, also about maybe five, six months, I believe it was, after his birth, he was born on the Grand, what's called the Grand Road, which is the main road in Jagannath Puri to the temple on the road on which the uh, Rathiyatras uh, is performed, and um, that Rathiyatra as it does sometimes, as it did during the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which recorded the Chaitanya Charitamrita, sometimes stalled out. <laughs> it's, of course, pulled by, by, by votaries, by devotees, but as hard as they could pull, 
uh, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita that the cart would not go. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could, was dancing at this time in Kirtan. And the idea behind the scenes, if you will, uh, uh, was that Jagannath was stunned by the dancing of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Um, that um, was uh, uh, a manifestation of Radha. When Nityananda Prabhu saw this from a distance, he paid obeisances to 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 to, to Radhika. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Krishna says himself that that Amishishu Guru Nata uh, that I am the Shisha and. Uh, the dancing of Radharani is my guru. Hmm? So um, he learned well from her, and Jagannath stopped the cart. Even an elephant couldn't push the cart. So uh, the wise of Jagannath stopping the cart at different times uh, in his annual Rathayatra um, are not always understandable uh, to. Uh, from an external point of view. And in this instance, in the life of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, just in his childhood, the cart stopped in front of the house of Bhakti Vinod Thakur and wouldn't move. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have to look deeper why it couldn't move. And what we find is that uh, it, it stayed there immovable until Bhagavati Devi brought out the young child, uh, Bhimal Prashad, and brought him taking advantage of Jagannath stopping there before the deity, whose garland then fell off onto the um, neck of uh, of the child, and um, and uh, blessed him in that way. And only after that did the cart move on. It's a very auspicious event. Um, so the childhood, the birth, the childhood of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, um, is, uh, these were extraordinary. They were, uh, these are a couple of anecdotes. Others, they, they, uh, when he had his astrological chart done, his astrology was shocked. Never seen a chart like this. Hmm? A person, and he was uh, quite confident that the person would become famous throughout the whole world. Um, for his religious uh, contributions and so forth. So this, uh, I want to say, is Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaka was a very extraordinary person to appear in the world. Um, people disagreed with him. People argued with him. People joined him. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but those who joined him were right. <laughs> Those who argued against him, those who, who criticize him today, and there are some people and so forth, they need to take these things into, into consideration. Mm-hmm. They criticize him for his adjustments and so forth. Um, and, um, but uh, uh, don't have an ear to hear the depth of his spirituality that is behind those uh, adjustments. Uh, the result of which, of course, is that, for example, among other things, we're here today speaking about him. But um, we'll come to that more. But uh, as he um, grew 
into his uh, school years, he was also uh, recognized by the teachers to be extraordinary. Um, um, and uh, he was, interestingly, very traditional, uh, had very traditional religious uh, perspective. This is the time where many traditionalists were being take, taken out on the current of modernism and the influence of the British and so forth. He had a very um, strong uh, and committed leaning towards a traditional perspective from a conceptual point of view. But from a practical point of view, he embraced um, modernity. This, this later would put him at odds with both sectors. Modern people would be opposed to him and the traditional traditionalists would be opposed to him. From the traditional point of view, um, uh, his pragmatic, practical, modern adoptions like driving in a motor car and so on and so forth were thought to disqualify him. <laughs> um, and from the traditional, from the modern point of view, his his commitment to uh, conceptually to the uh, full-fledged theism of Gaudi Vaishnavism and the opposition that 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 teaching has to certain modern perspectives and so forth that put him at odds with uh, with modern modern people. Uh, um, but this fact about him, which would come out more and more as he actually developed the mission and so forth, was apparent even in his uh, early days in in uh, in school. And um, um, his religious life was further, um, I would say, cemented, if you will, by the blessing of Dr. Benutakur, who gave him beads to chant on, Thakur's own beads that he chanted on. and. Uh, uh, and in effect, he gave him uh, initiation into chanting the holy name. And he also blessed him with the Nishinga mantra and, and, um, and, um, and so, um, there's these, uh, this way he saw Bhaktivinoda not only as his father, but as his, um, his, his, his Harinam Guru. And of course, it was later Bhakti Binotaku who told him, go and take Mantra Diksha from Gorkashota's Babaji Maharaj. But in his youth, as I say, he was very, um, religious and a traditionalist conceptually, but very interested in modern, um, ideas at the same time. Um, and able to embrace the practical, uh, uh, um, ideas coming from the modern world that were useful um, and so forth. It was something uh, well, uh, so uh, and, 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 and he was recognized in his school days as being a very morally upright religious person, very um, very capable, very intelligent. His memory was extraordinary. You know, you, you hear in all these hagiographies of uh, would it be Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's followers or followers of the Buddha or this one or that one from the time in which those type of, um, that genre of literature was, 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 was more popular. There's always these, they went in, in, by the age of 12, he understood all of them, he memorized all of the Vedas. 
So these kind of statements, they're they're just kind of meant to say he was very smart, he had a very good memory, and so forth. But with regard to Pakistan, he actually memorized the whole Bhagavad Gita. I think when he by, the, by at seven years old, and could recite it. Uh, so he was very extraordinary and, and, and very, uh, I would say, very desirable by um, people of the elders, you know, in, in, in the modern world. They, they, they wanted to bring him into into uh, the, the issues of the day for the Hindus in relation to the British and, and India's um, encounter with modernity. And so on and so forth. But at the same time that he was uh, desirable, um, attractive as a young man, he also came into conflict with um, some of his his teachers, especially with regard to his uh, interest in astronomy. astronomy. Um, uh, he <laughs> disagreed with his uh, professor on a substantial uh, point and would not back down and, and ultimately left school over the issue and wrote his own book. Um, what is that book called? Siddhanta, Surya Siddhanta or something to that effect. And it was with, with regard to this, um, uh, his interest in astrology and his keen um, insights, not astrology, but astronomy, excuse me, although he was, a, I think, a Jyotish as well, uh, Bhakti Vinod Thakur further blessed him with the title Bhakti Siddhanta. So the name Bhakti Siddhanta actually came from Bhakti Vinod. Later when he took sannyas, he added the sannyas name Saraswati, Bhakti Siddhanta, Saraswati. So at any rate, in his youth, very religious, very morally upright. Um, he formed a society as a very young man called the August Assembly. In which all of the members um, were celibates. They made a vow for celibacy for life, which is the Bijma. You know, the, this is like whoa, the, the famous uh, uh, oracle from the sky um, when uh, Grandfather Bijma took a vow. Wasn't it Bijma? Took a vow of celibacy, Bijma. Wow. I think the, the name means something to that effect, like, oh, my God. Um, so anyway, they took, they all took about well, how many of them ever followed. We don't know. But if remained a, a nice Dika Brahmacharya, Brahmacharya, celibate for his whole life. That was thought, thought to be very morally upright and um, um, yeah, a sign if you will, and uh, evidence of the ability to go inward mm, and, uh, and draw inspiration from within um, and joy uh, from within. And so that uh, uh, was that society, that August Assembly was an example of his, of, of his uh, ability to um, inspire others. I don't think he was the best organizer of sorts. I think he had some organizational skills, but he, he got help for that with regard to Gaudiya Math and its its organization from some of his disciples. But the ability to inspire others um, take the leading position naturally. This um, was apparent even in his early life. And so the point I'm leading up to here, of course, is that 
he was, as they said, very desirable person. Um, you know, youth is desirable in itself. What to speak of a youth who's, who's like mature for his age, very intelligent, uh, very, very, very attractive. And so many um, of the different groups, institutions, uh, and whatnot um, would have liked him or wanted him to, to join with them, as was the case with Bhakti Vinod Thakur, not as a child, but he was also very desirable. People were shocked when he became a Gaudi Vaishnava. Um, but, um, but with Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhima um, Prashad, um, he had at his uh, at his feet, if you will, uh, any opportunity for higher learning, for occ- occupation, marriage, all these things were like falling at his feet, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, although he was not interested by them, by his own admission, interested in the offers, by his own admission, the accolades that he got, you know, the, the praise that he got for that was um, was something that he had to, um, I would say that that he was able to, to distance himself from entirely with the help of uh, Gorka Shordas Babaji Maharaj, who, as I say, Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, advised him to get Mantra Diksha from Gorka Shordas. We used to attend classes of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who was famous in, in Bengal as a Siddha Purusha and difficult to uh, to approach. But on the recommendation of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he did so. Um, maybe around 1890, in the 90s. So uh, as a young man in his early, early 20s, let's say. Um, And as I'm mentioning, uh, the contrast between his position from a worldly point of view and that of Bhakti, no talk, Bhakti, Gorkashaw was great because Gorkashaw was illiterate. It, it, I don't think it means he could, it couldn't read, but but I think he was uneducated. He came from the Vaisha background, cloth merchants. Uh, Gorkashaw Das Babaji Maharaj uh, lost his wife at the age of about 30 and he left and took Babaji Vaish and went to Vrindavan with 30 years in solitude in Vrindavan before coming back to Navadweep. And um, wandering there in the meditative service of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Radha and Krishna. And so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur saw in him hmm, uh, something that made all of his own qualities that others praised hmm, seem counterfeit hmm, in terms of their purchasing power for attaining anything really meaningful in life. So it's not, of course, that he didn't see these things in Bhakti Vinod Thakur, but Bhakti Vinod Thakur, of course, was a householder, had 13 children, um, um, and uh, obviously one of the gurus of, of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, but, but his, he had also a deeply spiritual connection with Gorkha Shodas Babaji Maharaj and his, 
his uh, renunciation um, very much uh, moved Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. And uh, so he was driven by that to give up once and for all any other interest or pursuit other than what uh, um, um, he could understand was the ideal of Gorkhashadas um, Babaji Maharaj. And, uh, and under his influence and then of, of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, of course, he eventually formed um, his own uh, mission, if you will. But he did so um, in, um, in complete a dedication to Gorkhashodas Babaji Maharaj, to Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Um, as I mentioned, Babaji Maharaj Gorkhashodas was a difficult person to approach, but um, he had a special affinity for uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. He said one time, I think it was Keshav Bhakti Parakur Keshav Maharaj, one of the early disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, who was from the Nityananda Vamsa. He um, uh, was sent to try to help Gor- to get Gorkashore Das Babaji out of um, uh, an outhouse, I think, that he had locked himself in and was just wailing the na- out in the names of Krishna. And he was just going on for hours and hours. And people were concerned that nobody could get him to stop or come out, thinking, concerned about his own well being. And uh, I think it was Keshav Marsh, if I will, who was in the sannyasi at the time, who came and identified himself as a shishya of, of Bhakti, Bhakti Siddhanta, who started initiating in the presence of Gorkashortas Babaji Maharaj and Bhakti Vinayata Thakur, obviously with their blessings. He started initiating in 1906, and they passed away, both of them, around 1912, 13, 14, something like that. So for at least half a dozen years, um, he was carrying on uh, and initiating disciples in the presence of Gorkashore Das Babaji Maharaj and Bhakti Vinod Thakur, obviously, with their blessings. But the story, the anecdote, if you will, um, uh, regarding Keshav Maharaj was that when he mentioned he was a disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta, then he said, oh, he's very, very nice. And, <laughs> and then he, he came kind of to external consciousness. He came out and, 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 and so forth, just upon hearing the name of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. I think that Keshav Maharaj is one of the few, few disciples uh, of maybe the only of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi who had a direct darshan from Gorka Shordas Babaji Maharaj. Hmm. Um, and Sarasthi Thakur spoke about him as his speaking was, was uh, written down, if you will, in terms of some, uh, some, some articles published in the Harmonist, which was one of the publications of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur that came out, uh, I think, maybe twice a month, something like that. Um, as you know, he was, as he, as he formed a mission, he was very concerned about, uh, primarily about publishing, which he considered the Rag Marg, more than the Pancharatrik Marg of deity worship and so forth. And, uh, he outlined the difference between the two and his mission carried both, uh, both, but he gave more emphasis to Harinam and to the preaching, outreach, and so on and so forth. But before his outreach became really uh, substantial as the Gaudiya Mat, Gaudiya Mission, and so forth, 
he made a commitment to chant a billion names of Krishna. And now it took a long time. I don't know how well you calculate this. I think 64 rounds is 100,000 names. So 100,000, how many times is 100,000 going to a billion? Are you mathematicians? Parmanan, don't you have a degree in math? This is just arithmetic. Anyway, it took him a long time. Uh, and he did so uh, in the midst of other activities as well. Mm -hmm. um, some organization, some personal service to his father. Um, and the reason, the net result anyway is that after, I believe, 10 years, he completed the vow to chant um, a billion names. Um, the point here is that his commitment to Nam, Harinam, and his taste for Harinam was significant, substantial, deep, very deep. Um, in fact, he had more, under the influence of Gorkashodas Babaji, more of an inclination towards uh, a contemplative life rather than to the outgoing Gostianandi, um preaching life, which would bring you in touch with many people in the world and so forth, which was more um, exemplified by Bhakti Vinod Thakur. So he got different instructions from Bhakti Vinod and from Gorkashore. Gorkashore told him, don't do the preaching. Just, that's too much trouble. People are people are, are problematic. Most of them are animals. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then Bhakti Vinod Thakur told him that uh, don't, you can't be stingy with your wealth. Mm -hmm. uh, Ultimately, he, he, he called him a Mayavadi for not going out and preaching. <laughs> I forget the connection he made, but the, the, he couldn't, he couldn't tolerate that. Like he said, I'm thirsty tacos. So he, you know, he, he began. Um, but, um, uh, he began in a sense in this way by a commitment to chanting the names of a billion times and the depth of his own inner experience and so forth was, um, out of which his innovations came. Now, it's important to note that, that this was a time of innovation for Hinduism, because here you were living in India, Hindu, the traditional perspective uh, was what it was. And now the British, you know, they had a whole different uh, idea. So different values um, and so forth and questioning the uh, the religious perspective. Of, of the Hindus was, was prominent. They questioned themselves. Where are we in relation to these thoughts and so on and so forth? It was a very, uh, interesting, uh, time for introspection and for, um, innovation, if you will. And so many, many people, well, a good number of people in the educated Badralok, uh, community that Bhakti Manotak was part of, Bhakti Sadantasars was part of, they were prominent within. They, um, they tried to adjust um, and innovate within Hinduism, take into consideration modern perspectives and modernize, if you will, or update, uh, critique mm, Hinduism and Gaudiya Vaishnavism itself, uh, in some cases, which is, of course, very prominent in, um, in, in, in Bengal. Um, but there's a mark, was a marked difference 
between um, all of those who did that and Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur and his innovations, following as he did Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Bhakti Vinod Thakur was kind of like, to use Prophet's analogy, in like a needle, out like a plow. You can imagine if you stuck a needle inside your stomach and then inside it, 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 it sprouted, you know, the, the, the bows or the, the, the claws, whatever you want to call it, of the plow. And then you pulled it out. The hole that would, on the way coming out would be a lot larger than the hole on the way in. So, uh, Bhakti Minotakur was beginning something and he went in like a pin and Bhakti Minotakur came out like a plow. And as a result, some people, uh, even disciples of Bhakti Minotakur thought that Bhakti Siddhanta didn't represent him properly. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsutak himself said that the, the Sajna Toshini which was Bhakti Minot Thakur's periodical. This is a popular, you know, periodical um, centered on Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, allowed some things that he he, did, he wouldn't have wanted to allow, but he but he had to allow them, given that preaching takes into consideration who the audience is, and what what you can sell to them, and what you can't, in any given time, um, and, and so forth. So Bhakti Siddhanta, his time was a little different. It was time to be a little more uh, forthright, uh, forceful, and he left no room in his Harmonist magazine, which is a renaming of the of the Sajana Toshini, for any of the things that might been, might have been maybe a little Gornaga or Pada or something. You know, in is found in Bhakti Vinodakura's Sajana Toshini, uh, but. You don't find anything like that. In fact, you find a complete rejection of such ideas overtly in the in the, in the preaching of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati to give um, and and um, an example of you know the, the difference between the two, doing the same thing but uh, different in approach um, given the, given the time and and and, and the circumstances. But again. Um, the the difference between Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati's innovations um, were that conceptually, as I mentioned earlier, he never never departed an inch from Gaudiya Siddhanta, and and he saw his entire um, work, missionary work, to be uh, 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 humble service to Bhakti Thakur. A straw in the broom of Bhagavad This was very, very prominent. Therefore, for example, although he was very, very um, committed to publishing, bringing in the printing press and putting it in the moth and, and so on and so forth, um, and he had Harmis, which was coming out, I think, twice a month, where he had the Nadia Prakash coming out daily, um, and any other number of other periodicals and so forth. Um, but uh, the overall and larger commitment with uh, uh, with regard to uh, publishing was to publish the works of Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Hmm? As I mentioned earlier, Bhakti Vinod Thakur wrote more than 100 works. So what, what have we seen of them to this day? But he was very committed to that. So uh, complete dedication to Bhakti Vinod Thakur. He was giving shape only. Hmm? To the, to the conception, some, as, as Pujapachita Mar said, and I mentioned earlier, to the conception 
of Bhakti Vinod Thakur. I'm sometimes thought of by my disciples as an innovator. I, I've, I've explained my own writings to be something like this crossing the T's and dotting the I's of Prabhupada where that, that was, was, might have been um, left out in, in his um, um, writing, which was done, you know, in the context of traveling around the world a dozen times and so on and so forth, a small uh, contribution. Um, so he was, Bhakti Siddhanta was, was completely dedicated to his gurus. That's where he derived the power to do his innovative work. And he was deeply, deeply experienced to chant a billion names. I mean, he had a taste for Harinam. He could weep. The name would bring tears hmm, spontaneously to the depth of his own spirituality. Is what gave him the capacity to be a critique, even of Gaudi, uh, to render a critique, even of Gaudi Vaishnavism. Hmm? What to speak of, uh, well, of Hinduism, modern modernity would critique that, the modern world. He critiqued Hinduism and the, the, the Varnashram Dharma and even um, uh, his own tradition, Gaudi Vaishnavism. But the way in which he critiqued Gaudi Vaishnavism was its, was its, the inability on the part of some of the, its advocates to adopt from the modern world in a practical sense, in the way that he did, without compromising the teachings. Others compromised the teachings and the baby, if you will, proverbially, the proverbial baby went out with the, with the bathwater on the part of some Gaudiya innovators of the time because their innovations were in their heads. They were the work of their heads, their minds, their intellect. They weren't coming from the heart of faith in in guru and the experience that we really speak of when we speak of faith. Not belief, which is an intellectual affair, but faith, deep experience, as Pujapadshidamar used to describe the spiritual world, planets of faith. The realm of faith. Here we live in a realm of doubt, no doubt, and doubt or skepticism, if you will. I was writing about it recently on the on the uh, Facebook on our forum. There is not the way forward. <laughs> we should have doubts, and I've often said, bring the doubts and before the guru and doubt. Sit before the guru and doubt with the faith that your doubts will be dismissed or done, done away with, hmm? uh, answered hmm? by. Uh, um, his or her ability to explain uh, the, the scripture in a, in, a re, in a relevant way and, and so forth and so on. So the way forward is faith. Shadavan Janohe Shadavan Little faith you can you can practice, and little practice can give a deep experience. And that will ground you in Gaudiya Vaishnavism more than any even philosophical understanding. In your head. I mean, I have a pretty deep philosophical um, mind and understanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and I can tell you frankly that my intellectual understanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, which, which, which you could say would be my like um, um, well-reasoned faith, mm-hmm. certainly brings me deep experience in my practice. But I was there were there was. Uh, with whatever it is, 50 years ago when I began this, I didn't have the well-reasoned faith that I have now 
and we didn't have access to all the books that, that are available now. I mean, when I joined, I mean, we didn't even have the Bhagavad Gita as it is, uh, you know, in its in its in its final form. There was a, there was a a, a a limited edition of it, um, but anyway, um, but my experience was deep. My bliss wasn't wasn't any 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 less, I should say. So uh, the the way forward is is faith, which which um, properly understood is the action that we call sharanagati. It's a call to to action. Which, which then brings the tangible results of spiritual um, experience. So Bhakti Siddhartha Sarasthi Thakur, I mean, the work that he did, the mission that he did is just extraordinary. I mean, I mean, 64 monasteries in India and then outside of India in Burma, he established a mop and then missionaries to England and so forth. In his time, and of course, after his passing, we have the work of, um, his disciples, and particularly my Guru Maharaj, who Prabhupada took that um, um, what Bhakti Siddhanta gave shape to, the ideas of Bhakti Siddhanta, you know, all, all over the all over the world. And Prabhupada, I've said before that I heard from Prabhupada, I heard from Pujapada Sridhar Maharaj and Pujapada Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj about Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And uh, Prabhupada was rather tight lipped, so we didn't hear too much. Shudamarsh talks much about the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta and how it worked, the preaching and so forth. And Pramod Purimarsh, uh, I gathered some from him some intimate uh, feelings of the, uh, that he expressed that gave me some sense of the affectionate nature of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. Affectionate nature. He was very heavy, but his disciples understood his heaviness to be his affection. Both as monks, as monastics, as brahmacharis and sannyasis, uh, and and his householders. Hmm? Um, before I go into that, I want to say one thing about Prabhupada was tight-lipped. He didn't say much about Bhakti Siddhanta. He revealed a lot at the same time by not saying much, because in the couple of times that I was with him when he spoke about Bhakti Siddhanta, he couldn't get out more than two sentences without weeping. Hmm? I mean, this is someone who is like. You know, like the son Prabhupada for for Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the world, just like what he did was incredible to be in his presence, just incredible. Even even without being in his presence, as I've said, temples developed where he never went in cities, and the hundreds of devotees there. I mean, it's just incredible, um, very accurate, as Pujapachita Marsh would say, empowered by Nityananda Prabhu to do this kind of work. So for him to weep. At just the just the thought of trying to say something about Bhakti Sarsitakur would tell told us if we were paying attention as disciples. Bhakti Sarsitakur was a was a very, very deep, spiritually deep, extraordinary person person. And we have to look at his innovations in relation to that. Not only in terms of our uh, ability to Bodhi's ability to Accept them as pragmatic and not a deviation, but um, as evidence of the depth of his realizations. So, in, in his time, there were others, as I say, a number of people who were reformers, even within uh, 
Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but their reformation was going on in their head. Hmm? Here's what the modern people say. How do we think about it? Let's think about it in another way and make it adjustments. And, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Krishna in Braj with his immoral activities. Maybe that, uh, those sections are just interpolations. We'll leave that out. Let's take the Krishna of the Bhagavad Gita, who's a statesman and speaking in the Upanishadic wisdom. That looks good. Um, so these, these type of adjustments, they, they threw the baby out with the bathwater, if, if you will. Because they didn't have the depth of experience hmm, of what is Braj Bhakti. Hmm? What is Manjari Bhav? He, he, he saw himself as, uh, as Nayana Mani Manjari Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He didn't talk that much about it directly. Hmm? But his campaign came out of experience of it. You can talk about it. You can know what to say. That's not so easy. And then to say it, that's hard too, but to do it, that's a whole other thing. Hmm? That's a whole other thing. And to do it, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did it and he didn't say much at all. Hmm? He didn't write anything except eight verses. Hmm? A couple of people he talked to at some length, Sarvabhoma, in private, Prakashanda Saraswati, otherwise he's chanting, hmm? chanting the holy name, taking Mahaprasadam. Hmm? Um, uh, touring the places of, uh, of, of pilgrimage and, and, and so on. when the Goswamis, yes, they, they wrote, that's true, but they were commissioned by, they were told by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to write. Hmm? Has anyone told, anyone told us to be an innovator? To update our, uh, our tradition? Are we doing it on the basis of, uh, of, of such a spiritual order or out of deep experience or like these, I say in his own time, there were any number of people hmm, uh, who were innovating in their head. Hmm? So it's not a head exercise, the innovations of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsley Thakur. It's actually coming out of his heart. And they rep- when he said things like, I'm prepared to serve meat to the Europeans if they'll come here in Mayapur and listen to the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, they shocked his own disciples, shocked to hear that. Hmm? But and when he realized their shock, he said, "Oh, I, I, I think there's a statement by Shinobars that he had. He, he was there at the time that said Sarasvati Thakur replied that, oh, I, th- I thought of this a thousand lifetimes ago, something like that. Like, I'm prepared to, to whatever. He could digest that. He could actually digest that. We did things selling Prabhupada's books at his behest." But I, but I, but I, you know, if I was thinking more clearly, I probably wouldn't have done. But it's probably good that I wasn't thinking more clearly because the work got done, <laughs> and we somehow or other got out there and sold his books, and many people got them and 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 benefited from them. And some people didn't like the books. I remember in the airport, some people would take them, and and some janitor would come and say, "Can I have that book?" And then he would throw it away or burn it in front of us because they didn't didn't like us at the airport. <laughs> Some of the employees, uh, but Prabhupada could digest that. Hmm? When there's really big outreach and innovation, well, you know, you're going to have to stretch the limits a little bit. And there may be some downsides. So you have to be able to digest that. Hmm? They could digest it. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitaku could digest it. So his innovations were were considerable. 
and um, and again, we're, we're a good example of it. Um, but they came from the depth of his spiritual realization. They weren't just a head exercise. They weren't coming from a fertile imagination or anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. Of course, our minds work and our intelligence works, but let it be, let, it, let them, he had an intelligence, an intellect booty that was driven by his bhava. Mm-hmm. By the exercise of booty unto itself, you're not going to get any bhava. That's for sure. Hmm? Prabhupada used to call it overintelligent, hmm? a real problem. Overintelligent. Hmm? Sri used to tell me, whenever you find an intelligent disciple, you have to really comp- comp- continue bashing him. Gyan Shunya Bhakti, brain dead Bhakti. Hmm? But, uh, the idea being, in the least, you're not going to get Bhakti with a brain. You should use your brain. Within bhakti, that's 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 true, but that's an art, hmm? and it's very easy to be used by your brain, used by your intelligence, and think that, that you're doing service uh, to, to 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 your gurudev. Hmm? The bhakti siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, no, he his he 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 uh, uh, out of real deep spiritual experience. He, uh, you know, innovated and just did some practical things, hmm? Hmm? like using modern conveniences hmm? for the to uh, to facilitate distributing Bodhi Vaishnavism. I mean, if you look back at it, the innovations were small; hmm? they were limited. You know what? Not changing the philosophy. Hmm? Um, but um, um, he was, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it takes time, of course, to see the success. We're the success now in time. We can look back. But at this time, it was a struggle with modern people, uh, as I said earlier, and with traditionalists as well. Um, he, um, his commitment to his work as he saw it, uh, facilitating, giving shape to the ideas of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, um, uh, at one point resulted in an assassination attempt on the part of the, 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 the Brahmin community and the Goswami community in Bengal. Um, things like giving shape to Bhakti Vinod Thakur's vision of Mayapur being the real birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We get a vision of that. The Bhakti Siddhanta was, was, was charged to give shape to that. To form a moth there and so forth. There was a struggle for that. Struggle with the Brahmins, as I say. Um, he gave the famous, uh, there was the famous debate, right? I, I mentioned it earlier. Brahman or Vaishnav, which is superior, Vaishnavism or Brahmanism. And it was, a, I think it was a three day debate. Bhakti Nataka was scheduled to go, but he became ill, so he sent his son. And the first day, he very much uh, pleased all the Brahmins by saying how important Brahmanism is. And the second day, he started to displease them by saying, but uh, what Brahmanism is, is, is and is properly understood is one who has substantially the qualities of a Brahmin. We don't find that in hereditary Brahmins necessarily in Kali Yuga. And therefore, we should look to the qualities of a person and the characteristics of a person. And that person... Uh, who ca- has those characteristics should be able to do the work of the Brahma. And he, he cited like, he must have been 20 different 
citations from the Bhagavatam, Mahabharata, uh, and other tantric texts to support this idea that non-Brahmins by birth, who nonetheless have the qualities of Brahmins, can do the work of Brahmins, which meant uh, to be gurus. Because gurus, that's the work of the Brahmins within, within the Varnashram. This is a problem. To, even today, there are some Gaudi lineages that emphasize, unless you're born in a Brahmin family, you can't be a guru. Mm-hmm. Despite so many examples like Narutam Thakur, like, um, like Baladeh um, Bidjabushan, um, not from Brahmin families, Raghunath Das Goswami, what speak Bhakti, we know Bhakti Siddhanta. My in, the, in the more modern times, there are so many examples. There's still persons who think like this. To me, this is an example of bhakti being covered by, by karma. This hmm? hmm? is That's the, that's the karma mark. So he had a big. Uh, this is a big, big struggle for him. This is a. His idea was, of course, that real varnashram means that people have certain qualities, no matter whether whether you call it varnashram or not. They should be recognized as such, and people should be engaged accordingly to give them material balance. And in a very kind of broad sense, it gives some it's support for the, the, uh, the Vaishnava life, the two Vaishnava life and Varnashram Dharma. At some points, they run on parallel lines. So where they run on parallel lines, we take advantage of that cultural and social perspective hmm, norms and when they depart and the absolute of Gaudiya Vaishnava departs from from Varnashram then we obviously side with the absolute we could see this example of this in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's only where he would eat where he would not eat hmm. how he was not from a Varnashram support point of view supposed to eat at the Brahmin's house the mature Brahmin who who he met when he went to uh, the Braj Mandal. But when he met the Brahmin, he realized he was a disciple of Madhavendra Puri. <laughs> and so he very happily took his meals at the house of that, um, that Brahmin. So uh, anyway, this was a big, big issue. I mentioned it to give a little emphasis here for Bhakti Siddhanta at the time. It's not so much of an issue for us today as Varnashram has, has practically disappeared from the face of the earth. Well, of course, it's there. People have their characteristics, their qualities, and so forth. And it's just common sense that in an institution, if we have one, we'll engage people according to their propensities in Krishna Bhakti. But um, this was something that Bhakti Siddhanta asked him to, to do, present what is Daiva Varnashram, so a word about that, and to preach the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which he did very widely and very successfully um, with um, the in a way that involved even critiquing his own uh, tradition. So uh, we are all followers of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, members of the Bhakti Vinod Party. We should be proud of our uh, lineage. Amongst Gaudiya lineages, there's no lineage to be more proud of than this one for its real and tangible practical work that it's done. People talk about having ecstatic symptoms, knowing what is bhakti rasa. Uh, but they're uh, uh, not even perspiring, but to speak of weeping. Mm-hmm. So first perspire, do some work. Mm-hmm. 
as evidence of your shraddha, that you have eligibility even to tread the path. And, uh, and from there, tears will come. And first they'll come, they will weep because we're not weeping. And then we'll weep uh, out, of, out of taste for Harinam. So, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur Prabhupada Ki Jai, Bhakti Vinod Paribar Ki Jai, Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai, Gold Premananda Ki Jai. Any question? Hare Krishna Maharaj, may I ask a question? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I have two questions, and one of them being, so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur and Bhakti Vinod um, Thakur, are there also Shakti Avish avatars then? Although I, um, yeah, maybe it's not that common, but actually they are also, no? Well, uh, in a broad sense, the Vaishnav who is empowered, hmm, to do the work of guru has an avesh, so a uh, guru tattva. So the avesh means empowerment. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, there are more technically speaking, two types of avesh avatars. I believe one is when Vishnu himself incarnates as a particular power of himself, like the power Gyan Shakti. So Krishna Dwaipayana Vyas, who wrote the Bhagavatam from the traditional point of view, is, is the embodiment of the Gyan Shakti of Bhagwan. So he's Bhagwan himself, but it, it manifests as that power. And then the other type of Shakti Avatar is when a Vaishnav hmm, is empowered by one uh, of Bhagwan's Shaktis, like Gyan Shakti, Bhakti Shakti, Palana Shakti, um, as may be the case. Um, um, and that is an empowerment that can be present for some time and then be withdrawn. Mm-hmm. So we look at, um, what is his name? Um, Parashuram was empowered and at a certain time his power was was withdrawn by Krishna's arrangement. So um, I think that we are a little bit um, more let's say um, not inclined Call every guru a Shakti Avatar, even though they're empowered to do the work of Guru Tattva. Mm-hmm. In the case of Prabhupada, Ujjapachitamar said, I say Shakti Now, many people object to that on the way in which I'm talking about Shakti right? Wait a minute, you know. Um, but when he asked by the, by the Maharaj, what, what kind of a vase? He said, Nityananda vase. So he said, well, Nityananda lived in him. You know, he had to put his power inside of him. He gave so many examples of how his work paralleled that of Nityananda. It's, it's, it's very reasonable. Um, and so, uh, 
that's um, particular, extraordinary. We hear it from Putipatrita Marj, and I think Yajubar Marj, another disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsatakwa, had the same perspective. So, um, I mean, we, 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 we could say that Prabhupada was a Shaktivesh. But we tend not to at the same time. Um, um, because the Shaktivesh has more of a connotation of being Vishnu. Mm-hmm. Than being a devotee of Vishnu or Krishna, and um, I don't think that Prabhupada himself would accept if I called him a Shakti Avatar, even if he knew he was empowered by Nityananda Prabhu. So um, we think that that is a um, beautiful statement. On the part of Putipatrita Maharaj and others, and we take it into consideration. Um, and you could think about it literally, or, 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 or not. I, I kind of think not because uh, Prabhupada wouldn't wouldn't accept it if I said you know, you're a Shaktivesh avatar. Prabhupada uh, wouldn't consider himself an avatar. So those are some thoughts on the, the topic. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe But I'll say this about Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur that um, he was sent by Bhimal Devi, Bhimal Shakti, <laughs> as he said earlier. So uh, sometimes uh, Bhakti Bhinod Thakur, I think, referred to him as the ray of Vishnu. Uh, they're special. And he talked about Bhakti Bhinod Thakur. So. As a um, as being sent also to the world, Bhaktisiddhanta did. So we can't say enough about them. <laughs> and as far as predictions go, uh, Shula Prabhupada was kind of predicted, no? Well, there is a statement um, I forget where in some text that um, in the future, Sainapati Vaishnava, a great general, will come. And just and take Gaudiya Vaishnavas into other lands and so forth. But over centuries, different people have uh, devotees have identified different persons with that prediction. First, who was identified with that with, with that was um, the uh, son of Nityananda and, and Vasudha, um, Birchandra Goswami. Guchandra Goswami made a huge number of converts and outside of you know, Bengal. Mm. Um, but Prabhupada fits the, uh, the description as well, mm. right? In a big way. So, yeah. in that nice. way, he, he's considered a Senapati Charya. Mm. Another question? Just briefly, Chittahadi is saying Bhavishya Purana, if I remember correctly. Oh, the Bhavishya Purana, huh? Uh-huh, you know, it's got, that's a Purana of predictions. Haribo. 
So Gorangi Priya is asking in the chat, how many of the 64 moths that he established are still running? That's a good question. And I had that question myself the other day. And I'd like to go visit them all. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I was attracted to the idea of going to the one in Burma for different reasons. Uh, let's see what that's like. Because if you're living in India and you have a visa, if you're living in Mayapur, you might have to leave for a certain period. So you could just skip over to Burma and stay at the Golden Mott there. I was thinking. But anyway, uh, uh, the, um, um, I've been to the one in Madras, uh, South India. The Cheetah Marsh had something to do with. And I've been to the Bog Bazaar and Calcutta. So I've only really been, been to a few, but 64, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It would be interesting to do, uh, some, write some article on that and, and, and to what extent, what constituted a moth, to what extent. The ones I visited back in my, in Madras, they were full on big, you know, big institutions, big temples. Some of them may have been smaller. Um, so I'm not sure. Good question. Anything else? I guess we've gone a little over time. So save your questions for next week. Uh, next week, I should be in Ottawa. So I'll be speaking to you from there. I look forward to it.